Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from way out of town, Oregon, I'll be your damn guide, Dave Crumbor. If you have any damn questions, you can ask them during the damn tour. Joining me as always, my svelte-pelted co-host, Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going tonight, sir? Uh, David, David, David. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? I'm doing real good. Can you guess the movie uh, that my little damn puns were from? Um, wasn't that from Vacation? Yeah, it was from, I think, was National it Vegas Lampoon's Vacation? Vaca- I thought it was just Vacation. I thought it was Vegas Vacation because it was when they were at the Hoover Dam. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go Vegas Vacation. But yeah, okay. definitely from the National Lampoon's Vacation series. Yeah. Uh, I have another quick question for you. Do you know if Airplane, was that a National Lampoon movie? Do you Airplane? remember? Yeah. Um, there is an ooh, airplane connection gosh. in tonight's episode, but this was not vetted before the <laughs> before we started the recording. <laughs> I'm not sure if they were, but just just like keep that level of humor in mind and some of the voices from airplane as well, because there's a weird bunch of uh, voice actors and, and guest stars that show up on this particular episode of this particular show that we watched tonight. And of course, how could you not know that I'm talking about Angry Beavers, the next of our New Year's Nicktoons? Uh, I don't know how you would have missed that one with all the damn puns and the airplane oh, references. Boy. Yeah. Hey, for folks I, out there who don't know Angry Beavers, Sean, do you want to walk them through a little bit of the history? Uh, I would love to. Thank you. <laughs> the Angry Beavers is an American animated television series that was created by Mitch Schauer for Nickelodeon. The show premiered in the United States on April 19th, 1997. It ran for four seasons, totaling 63 episodes, and because... As we've talked about for a lot of these shows, they were split into segments, so there were 116 segments for this show, which is going to be interesting because tonight's episode, not broken into segments. One full 23-minute episode. Yeah, it's kind of like we had last week with Hey Arnold. It was a bit of a departure. Now, the one we we watched for Hey Arnold, I think, was actually like two episodes that were kind of all put together. It was almost like an hour-long special. Right. But itself was a departure from how Hey Arnold's plot episodic plots normally played out uh, it, all, it all revolved around like Arnold's parents and you can go back and listen to that episode if you missed it but for this one of the Angry Beavers it's also very different from what the rest of the the show was kind of about what the other you know 62 episodes were like uh, so if you're not familiar with the show the series revolves around Daggett and Norbert Beaver two young beaver brothers who have left their home to become bachelors in the forest near the fictional way out of town Oregon that's pretty and much so all you know, yeah. that that's the name of the town is yes. Way out of town. Way out of town. Like, one word, mm-hmm. way out of town. It's an old Native American name that they co-opted Ooh. for way out of town. I wish that this show was a little bit more culturally sensitive. That's uh, right out the gate. Saturday that's... Morning Cartoons or Angry Beavers? Uh, Angry Beavers. But, I think okay. we're very sensitive about a lot of issues that have come up on the show. You and our guests are pretty sensitive. I look for an <laughs> easy joke at any opportunity. So... <laughs> lay that out there um you know this is correct me if i'm wrong but for for me at least you know where do you come into uh the nicktoons at at this point so like we've everything that we've talked about so far i think you and i have both watched a good amount of the episodes from the series from all like i don't know i think it's about eight seven or eight that we've covered so far right once i got to angry beavers that started to be the time where i was just like uh you know what change the channel let's see what else is on i don't know if it was just an age thing or just like the content of this show but what was your memory of the show no i was definitely i fell within that range because 1997 i i was you know i I was a little bit older and I, i was still watching cartoons a lot but for some reason 
Angry Beavers didn't resonate with me back in 97, you know, 98 when I was watching it. Uh, you know, and, and I, I'm going to venture to say that some of the Nicktoons that we are going to watch from here on out uh, are shows that when, I, when they would come on, I would either, either slog through it to, you know, in, in terms of waiting for what came on next, right. or I would just change the channel completely. And so some of these are very new to me. Some of these are gentle reminders of the fact that I made a good choice by changing the channel yeah. uh, when I was a younger kid. So congratulations, younger me. You did it. You did the right and thing. And you, you did not disappoint <laughs> older Sean. That's right. I appreciate all of your efforts. That's what it's all about. No, it's interesting yeah, right. that we're, we're kind of getting into like the transition period. Like some of the ones that are coming up, now we really only have this one and one more for this particular batch right. that we're doing so the next one we won't have to come back to until next january which is fine because when when we get into those it'll kind of be like new territory for us because i think with the exception of maybe one or two uh, i think there's one very very famous one in that group but then with the exception of maybe one other one i really don't even know what's coming up to be honest with right you. and I, i'm very nervous for next week's because it is definitely a show that when it would come on the air i would just I would just turn the television off. Like not even get through the interest. Not scene. even. I had very little interest in next week's show. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I don't know. Just, just different. <laughs> make sure to come back for next week's show that we don't want to talk about. <laughs> when Sean's grumpy and bitching about shit, <laughs> which is yeah, you'll, you'll start to how pick the, the show proceeds every tonight. week. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. You were no, saying no, no. Just about listeners, the... I think they'll start to pick up kind of like that. We're getting into that transition now because there's a lot of the things that are in this particular episode tonight that are references from earlier episodes in the series, but I had to go back and really look them up. Like there were certain things that I'm just like, what is this thing supposed to be? Or what is this word that they keep saying? Or what is this relationship supposed to be about? Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't, I couldn't pull it from my memory. I had to go back and actually do like a little bit more research into digging in like, oh, okay, that's what this thing is. And that's where it came from. But we'll get into that in tonight's episode. Right. Um, but before well, you we know, do the other that, well, yeah. I was going to say, before we dig into that, I, I realized in 97, mm -hmm. I, had a, I had a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Um, it's like high school I'm, you, probably, right? I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit older. Uh, not by like, you know, leaps and bounds, but I realized in 97, I was probably applying for colleges. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and probably not watching a whole lot of Angry Beavers. So 17-year-old Sean was probably not watching <laughs> a lot of Angry Beavers yeah. at this time. So I'm sorry, not sorry. We were probably chasing other beavers at this point, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> teen years, good times. I like how you transitioned into that. I did. I had to get that out of the way early. I just feel like this whole title of this show, it, there are just so many moments where I... It just felt like it was somebody had a funny innuendo yep. about an angry vagina, yep. and they just didn't let that fucking joke go. I think and it, it was, showed up. He was Mitch Shower was probably a fan of the what's the Primus song? Uh, Winona. Uh, Winona brown had beaver. a big brown beaver. Exactly. Yeah. Turns out yeah. it was a porcupine. Uh, so it might have been like an in joke. Just ruin ruin the whole song. I love that <laughs> no. song so much. I love Primus. Um, this show needs more slap bass. I'm just gonna throw that out there right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. As opposed to all of its trumpets and horns that it has in it. Yes. Oh, so Angry Beavers also needs more slap bass. I just meant our podcast needs just like oh. somebody in the corner just, just playing licks on the slap boom, bass. Boom, while boom, boom, that'd be great. Boom, 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 boom. Or you can have an upright. You can do upright too. Boom, boom. Yeah, I really can't do a slap bass. You can't do like that's, Lee. That's the close. You can't do like that's the close. That's the, the close. <laughs> just not. Every time. 
not even gonna come close to uh, trying to impersonate that fair enough fair enough <laughs> yeah i mean you mentioned the music of this episode and really the only time it feels like it comes into well i take that back one of the strongest times it comes into play is in the actual theme song um in this particular episode there are a lot of moments where the music does kind of come to the forefront in a specific way but the theme song is is very different and it's actually somewhat similar to what we had last week uh just for me it wasn't quite as memorable because it was a different set of instruments um what was right. your take on the on the theme song uh i mean it was fun it kind of uh got me uh kind of got me moving i i'm a sucker for horns yeah see that's how uh, i was with the saxophones that, like i'm the opposite yeah yeah I, i'm i'm a sucker for i'm a sucker for a brass band right and for a, for a brass instrumental section, I listened to a lot of ska growing up. And so and a lot of punk music that would have ska on the back or, or like have like a brass section in the background, yeah, exactly. like Goldfinger. And so, you know, I, I, I loved those bands. I love that music. And so anytime it comes on, regardless of what medium, I, I, kind of, I kind of shake my shoulders a little bit. I kind of get a little bit into it. Did you shake so them for I, this show? I shaked them a little bit for you this show. Yeah. I did a little shimmy, a little shimmy shake. And so I was... I was getting into it. It was it was good. I, you know, it was fun, and I you know there was some some slapstick stuff yep. uh, that was in this of you know whenever they would present the the title you know of the show Angry Beavers and having it fall on top of the two titular characters. Right. It, it just some of it kind of prepared you for. I mean, I guess I just didn't remember from this show how much of this would have been very like slapstick physical comedy. Yeah, I was not and expecting so, quite as much. I, I didn't either. And so there were moments. Yeah. There were moments in this episode where things would happen, and I my reaction was, "Oh, that person's clearly dead." Yeah. And then three seconds later, they're back, and I'm like, "Well, ah. now I think I think that might be, you know, poking a little bit of fun at the uh, sort of the genre and the the type of films sure. that this episode is poking fun at. So that might be kind of like an in joke there. I don't know right. how much that happens in all the other episodes, though. Probably fairly frequently because it is, it's a weird mix of like. The hyper, the, the hyper activity and the anxiety of like late '90s, but with like the the old school classical slapstick vaudeville humor of like old Looney Tunes and the very cartoonish stuff. It was like this weird mashup of like all this kinetic energy, but then just a bunch of like really cartoonish, you know, falls and explosions and stretching of the you know body proportions and just like weird stuff like that. A lot of like physical, <laughs> torturous humor. And I and I, I definitely, I get that. Yeah. And it, and I think the addition to it was that I, at times I felt like the dynamic between the two brothers was very similar to that of Ren and Stimpy. I except I see that, but I don't like yeah. we had we had one that was clearly in charge. Yes. And we had one that was clearly the follower or sort of portraying the role of the idiot. Yes, very much. And so. I, I think the thing. As you were saying about the kinetic energy, I think the thing that was a telling point for me about Ren and Stimpy, about what made it so good, was that that kinetic energy, that that franticness, that manic yes. power in word. that show would build to a frenzy, and then it would just be let out in in a scream or a yell or one of those moments where everything's frozen in the frame except for like Ren's head and it's five times the proportions yeah. and he's screaming with super realistic. that you've never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not even, not even those stills, but there were just those moments where like Ren would jump up and like the, it was the, the still background. Oh, I thought you were going to say like, like where it was almost like that exploding background kind of thing where it was like, the, yeah, it was like it, an atom bomb it goes is. off. Yeah. 
it's like the exploding background, yep. but like there were moments where like Ren, like a, a certain portion of his head or a certain area of his head would be animated and would be like flipping out. Yeah. And the thing that differed between these two shows is that it felt like Angry Beavers was maybe kind of working towards that, but just never achieved that full potential. Whereas Ren and Stimpy came in to that idea or that, that sensibility out of the gate without any, like they knew who they were from the beginning. Right. And it felt like Angry Beavers was like, well, we got a show. Cool. Like, let's have fun with it. Yeah. Let's, let's get some stuff out there. And I can respect that. Yeah. I think that they're both two very different things. I just, I didn't, as you were mentioning with the, the energy and that, that kind of like late 90s uh, anxiety, I just, I, I got some of that from this show, but it, it just, it kind of fell short of realizing its full potential. Yeah. I like, I like the way you kind of took that <clears throat> because it's almost like when Ren and Stimpy came in, they had that. That's how they created narrative or dramatic tension right so they had the idiot and then the person who stuck with the idiot and they're trying to get stuff done and they're both frustrating each other but the one who's not the idiot is the one that's eventually you know he doesn't have that pressure release because he can't just let things go so he eventually almost literally blows up from time to time but in Ren and Stimpy you know it takes 10-12 minutes for them to get to that boiling point and then things blow up in a spectacular fashion and that makes the episodes you know worth watching with Angry Beavers it's weird because, yes, you have that defined difference between the two characters. So you have Norbert, who is kind of the more refined, the more eloquent, the more um, intellectual of the two. And then you have Daggett, who's kind of the, the hyperactive and like this crazy one wants to kind of run around all the time. Just the but, derp. Well, but there's that. But then there's times where they bleed over and they both fall into like these weird kind of pressure releases where... They both either say the same word or the same phrase in a silly way, or they both kind of like, they fall into this weird idiot pit, right? So they're both being idiots at the time, and that releases all that tension and pressure, and then they just move on to the next manic thing. So that was like the manic energy of this thing. It was just like, you start to build stuff up, and then you diffuse it, and then you start to build stuff up, and you diffuse it, and you just move from the next to the next to the next. And it was a little crazy and a little jarring, and it just never had that same kind of power, that same kind of uh force that like a Ren and Stimpy would have yeah that's a good description yeah. no, I agree you know there were like the the moments that you I, I liked like the term idiot hole the idiot said. pit yeah yeah idiot pit uh I, I I mean I could definitely see why the idiot pit was so useful I mean these are these are children's cartoons right. and I mean let's be honest Ren and Stimpy was not nope. really for children uh and so I, I can see how these are different but sort of still trying to capture some of that same energy. Sure. You know, with this, you needed to, they're brothers. You know, they're, they're brothers. Uh, and with Ren and Stimpy, you were never really quite sure of what the relationship right. was between it, whether it was sexual, whether it was platonic. And with this, like, you know that they're brothers, they're friends. And I, the thing that I found both frustrating and very interesting was their ability to fall into that idiot pit yeah. and sort of riff off one another because if you're friends and if you have siblings and if you you have you know friends that you consider brothers like that that's what you do you riff with them you you joke around in a in a fun manner and if they say something dumb you support that stupid thing that they say you know and repeat it back to them you know in a way that might be kind of stressing or communicating to them like you are an idiot yeah. but i'm going to say the dumb thing that you just said <laughs> back to you, you so you can so you can hear <laughs> yeah cuz so you can actually hear how much of an idiot you're being yeah. you know and that's that's what's fun and surprising i i that that 
I thought was a beautiful moment, but it was also for some reason like it irked me it was in really a way frustrating. that was really bizarre. It was frustrating because it would basically be like if you said something, right? And then I was just standing over here like a like trying to be superior and just be like, man, that was a really stupid fucking thing that you just said. And then you would kind of like laugh and repeat it. And then I would just laugh <laughs> and repeat it. And then it would just be like, okay, so what have we accomplished? Because at that point, it's like we've, we've acknowledged that it was a stupid thing to say. And then we both kind of laughed about it. And I see what you're saying where it's kind of a nice thing that they, they squash that tension. And then they never really like fight. They always cooperate. Right. But they always have this kind of like underlying tension between them because they're not operating on the, <clears throat> on the same level. So it was just weird. It was, it was hard to kind of get into a flow. And because it's right. so manic, they just jump from one situation or one joke to the next. And it's just, I, I think I wrote something down. It was like a weird combination of like a freakazoid because it was kind of around that same time. And yeah, it was. And like a, like a more classic, almost like a Scooby-Doo caper, at least this particular episode. Right, so it was kind of like a Scooby Doo caper, with some of the slapsticky stuff, and then like the freakazoid levels of mania. So it was just, it was weird. There were times where I really enjoyed it, and there were times where I was just like, "All right, let's just pick it up and get to the next thing here." Yeah, do you want to you want to dig into let's, this episode a little bit? Let's dig into. So this. what did we so, watch here tonight, buddy? We watched. Uh, this is season two, episode ten. The day the Earth got really screwed up, and the synopsis for this is the Beavers trick or treat. The scary house on the hill. It turns out to be the home of their B movie star hero, Oxnard Montalvo. Oxnard Montalvo. Exvard Montalvo. Montalvo. So, so if that annoyed you, uh, don't watch yeah. this episode because they do <laughs> yeah, it about the 50 times. And this is one of those idiot pits where they just they say the name and they kind of like just just turn into these like drooling idiots of just they say this name over and over again with like reverence but also kind of idiocy at the same time and i mean i mean so i can't say that i, I haven't done that before there oh sure you know a lot even in even in a even when i will teach or, or coach improv uh there is like a there's a classic game where you you pick like a very simple line and you say it over and over and over again but each time it's with different intonation and it's to kind of volley between some of those different emotions. It's just very hard because in this setting, like what I'm describing and talking about is an exercise for actors in order to get them to better emote. Right. What we're talking about in terms of this show is a quick bit that when you're done with it and when it resolves, and there is no resolution. Yes. So let me just say, when the bit ends, <laughs> yeah, that's a big difference. You again, yeah. you again think to yourself, what, exactly what you mentioned earlier, Dave, is where, where did that take us? Like where did we go? From that point forward. And that's the thing. It's just, it's, it's, that's the vaudevillian feel of it because it's just a bunch of staged bits or staged jokes that they have a finite ending to it. So it's like, it starts, here's the, the punchline and it ends. And then we move to the next one, sometimes without very non sequitur kind of uh, moving from one thing to the other. Just as a yeah. quick aside, have you, did you happen to see the newest uh, Hail Caesar trailer that the Coen brothers I, released? I have not. Okay. No. Not, to, not to go too far diverted on this but it's basically Rafe Fiennes is talking to Alden Ehrenreich so Rafe Fiennes okay. is a director Alden Ehrenreich is a uh, he's, he's like guy with southern twang but he's supposed to be kind of like this refined gentleman in the movie that he's shooting mm. oh boy. but he's trying to say the line would that it were so simple so Rafe Fiennes comes over to him and he just says <laughs> say it exactly like I'm saying it would that it were so simple and Alden keeps going would that it were so simple and anyway this goes on for like two minutes <laughs> 
<laughs> so it sounds funny in theory, and all my you know all my coworkers and stuff thought it was hilarious because they just keep going back and forth, like you were saying with the the improv um, lesson exercise. Right? exercise. Yeah. But I just found it very very irritating at a certain point because it was just one of those things that's just repeated in your head and it just starts to drive you crazy. And that's how some of the stuff was in this episode tonight because they would just they would just gravitate and grab onto these like weird little catchphrases or words and the way that they said them. And you could tell that the voice actors were having a good time with it because they just said them over and over and over again. And it was driving me a little crazy. We'll try not to do that too much tonight. Uh, That aside, I really like how this opened up. And I think that it probably, to describe it and explain it, we probably need a little bit of background on this particular series, right? So Angry Beavers, they're they're beloved. I mean, I went through the the, uh, reviews and I really didn't find any that people didn't like it. Everybody really seems to love this show. One of the things that they love the most about it is the beavers' love for B movies. So they really like watching the old kind of like classic bad B horror and sci-fi movies. That's one of their main things. I can relate. I can relate. Yeah, and I think I think everybody can. And that was kind of the cool thing about this particular episode is that it is a Halloween episode from I think it was ninety-seven or ninety-eight that um, focused on one of those B movies. It actually put the beavers in their own B movie. That was kind of a cool meta thing. And they even accomplished that through a really cool difference in animation style. There's one that's very, you know, realistic for a cartoon, and it looks almost like the old Johnny Quest or the old, right. um, even like Adventure Brothers, which are kind of cast in the same mold anyway. But, you know, the heavy kind of outlines, the strong jaws, the muscular physiques, and the very realistic looking human characters. And then you've got these goofy little wild looking crazy beaver creatures at the same time. So it's kind of a cool dichotomy of the animation styles that I like. Um, between the two. That aside, that's kind of the only thing that I like from this, other than some of the humor that was within the show. But what was your reaction to kind of just the the style of the show when this thing no, first opened I, up? Yeah, yeah. I mean that that old well, first that that Hanna Barbera uh, kind of like darker lines with right. sort of the uh, dark lines to accentuate specific features within their face and, and lines and contours. Uh, I love that. Like, I, I think that, as you mentioned, Johnny Quest is probably one of the, the prime examples of that. Venture yeah. Brothers does a great job of emulating that style mm-hmm. and paying homage to it. And so it's a, it's a blast to see. I, I liked the opening yeah. for the reasons that we've mentioned, is that it opens very much like it's sort of a, like a, maybe a Twilight Zone meets the opening of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, man, slash, that's great. Slash The Blob. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like always creature, that quintessential, yeah. always that quintessential thing flying through the cosmos, and then it just crash lands in a forest somewhere, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, I hope nobody goes to <laughs> find that." Oh, they're going to find. Damn oh, it, somebody they're going to die. Yeah. You and know, then with so a narration by Peter Graves as well too. That's where our airplane connection comes in tonight. We'll, right. we'll get back to him in a little bit, but yeah. <clears throat> and so we we really had this idea of this this object from another dimension, and it stated it states the intent right off the gate and so that that's what i find interesting about this episode and you know also some uh you know some of these like cult classic horror films it's this like object from another dimension that feeds on the fabric of space or time and space and you're like cool yeah like that yeah, sounds like was, a badass totally villain i thought it was very cool yeah. it was not what i expected for a show called angry beavers you know i was right. not expecting the opening to like a cool kind of throwback to these these uh b movies but that was really cool. And then the next thing, you know, we see some guy kind of like lean over a railing on this like Malibu-like home. It actually kind of looked like the compound from Johnny Quest too. 
Um, a little bit. So he kind of looks over it, and like Sean says, you know, you know somebody's got to find this thing, and whoever's the first person to find it is probably in for a world f- of hurt. You fucked. He's fucked. Uh, so he stares at this thing, and it's the cool animation. These like two green laser beams launch out of this fallen object and just like hit him in the eyes. He drops like yeah. a sack of potatoes. And then when he comes back up, he's like this weird kind of Jekyll and Hyde type monster with glowing green eyes himself. And he says, yes, master. And that is when they cut to the, like the title sequence for not only the movie, but the episode as well. Well, let, let's, uh, before we get into this, yeah. let's, let's explain who this person who gets zapped at this green light is. Okay. This guy. You don't know this at this a, point. Yeah. You, don't, you don't know this, but this, and I, <laughs> this, this was a fun point that I thought of as I was rewatching the episode again tonight. Okay. Um, this character is uh, Oxnard Montalvo's. It's his manservant, right. so who his comically, comically, you know, is always referred to as a manservant. Oh, why is that, John? And his because his name is Man Servant. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, do yeah, you? Yeah. Uh, There's the, they have a lot of fun with these names. So get that low hanging fruit. So yeah. it just it was very funny that he finds this. So he's already put this in perspective. Man servant, mm-hmm. the manservant for Oxford Montalvo, is already a servant to Oxnard Montalvo. Oxnard and, Montalvo. And now he just became a servant to this glowing thing in the ground. <laughs> yes, this master. man in every situation is still a servant with a different master. And I was like, man, you really, you got to diversify what you do, buddy. Maybe, <laughs> maybe take some time off and really find yourself. He Back was trying through Italy. He was probably about to pack his bags and leave in this. Yeah, this right. And shut up, mess his plans up. Sucked into this bullshit. So since we since we took a little diversion here for that, I just want to kind of mention some of these other names that we'll get into here in a second as well, and also the people that voice <laughs> them. So manservant slash manservant, voiced by Jonathan Hayes, who's a Pittsburgher, and he's known yep. for doing a lot of different B movies. I think he was born in like 1928. Um, Oof. And I think he's still going. To be honest with you. Oh, good guy. So, and then some of the other names we have. So, we've got Norbert and Daggett, and those are the two beavers. And they've, you know, they're obviously there for the whole series. So, for Norbert, we've got Nick Bacay. He was actually probably most well-known for voicing Salem the Cat on uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. So, he's the voice of Salem. You've got Daggett, who's voiced by Richard Horvitz. Uh, the, the, most, the biggest one I found was the voice of uh, Billy and Billy's dad on Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Oh, okay. And then our guest voices for tonight so Oxnard Montalvo uh, it's Tom Kane he does a lot of different voices like just a ton of roles over the this years guys in like everything probably most notable for uh, Yoda in some of the more recent Star Wars cartoons but obviously yeah. that's like a very different kind of a voice um, sure this might be my favorite name other than Manservant Toluca Lake Toluca Lake so Toluca Lake is a neighborhood in Los Angeles Oh, it is. So, yeah, it's like an affluent LA neighborhood. Oh, okay. Toluca cool. Lake. So they named this chick the uh, the female lead Toluca Lake, who's absolutely <laughs> hysterical in the in the show. Um, she's voiced by Adrian Barbeau, known for General Hospital, Maud, and then movies like The Fog, Creep Show, Escape from New York. So nice. it's they're, they're kind of casting people that I'm assuming the creators were like, who did I love in these old kind of classic B movies? I'm not calling Fog or Escape from New York B movies, but I mean, you know these kind of genre movies. And oh, we're going to call them, them cinematic masterpieces. Cinematic masterpieces. Uh, you've also got Dr. Kawatiki, which I didn't even catch his name, to be honest with you. I didn't catch his name either. Nah, he's played by a fellow named William Schallert, who's also still going. He was known for uh, a role in the Patty Duke show. That'll take you hmm. back. 
And then uh, we've got two more. So we've got the narrator slash general warning, who's another fun <laughs> character that comes up. So good. That's Peter Graves. So from Mission Impossible fame from the series. Yeah. Uh, and also Airplane. Great role in Airplane. So that's the Airplane connection. And then the alien object was actually voiced by John Biner, who does uh, just a ton of animated roles as well. So I w- I'm going to say yeah. John Biner's voice in this at the very end sounded a lot like Mojo Jojo for me. Enough that I, I had to actually, it, yeah. n- that I noted it. <laughs> just to make sure it <laughs> Especially wasn't. during the, the very end kind of wordplay pun bit. Yes. Not pun bit, but just the wordplay bit. Yes. That they did at the end with him not being able to hear what was going on uh, as the alien. Yeah. It just, like, what is going on up there? <laughs> it does sound like a little bit. I am Mojo Jojo. And so it just, and so it just, it made, that made me laugh. A little bit. Yeah, the, the voice actor. <laughs> because I remembered another cartoon. This show made me laugh because I remembered another <laughs> you cartoon. You were thinking of another cartoon. But no, the, the voice acting work is great. And I think that they, they really <laughs> nailed it with the guest stars in this one because the yeah. characters that they bring in are, because of the way that this alien has kind of uh, interacted with time and reality, not time so much, but reality, they, these B movie actors are kind of pulled from the screen and are now kind of come to life within they're acting out their own movie within this tv episode right. so it's kind of this weird meta thing where they're acting out like if you took all their horror and sci-fi movies together took all the creatures and all the plots and all the crazy shit that happened you put it in one movie that's what's happening in this particular episode so that's kind of a cool premise and then yeah. who is the biggest fan of oxnard montalvo uh we have uh norb and dag yeah are the right before we get right before we get splashed on the screen with an angry beaver's film. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. It looked like a, a, a Quentin Tarantino like roadshow production. Oh, uh, really? Because that's exactly that's exactly the title credits that I expect to see right before I watch a porno. <laughs> okay, or that For a, a '70s porn. A <laughs> yeah, '70s porn, vintage <laughs> like porn. Like the boom mic that just drops in for no reason. Just gotta watch it on VHS, man. It's just got a much. It's got a lot Beta's more soul. better. Bader's higher quality. Bader's better. So we meet cool. Norbert and Daggett. It's Halloween. It's Halloween, but it's actually the night before Halloween. So right. for some reason. Which, which I will say, <laughs> yeah. no, it makes sense now. Okay. Walk uh, me through it. Melanie yeah. Harker, fan mm-hmm. of the show, mm-hmm. pointed out to me that Halloween, the night before Halloween, mm-hmm. is mischief night. So that's the night that, like, People are supposed to go outside and, and throw eggs mm-hmm. and uh, vandalize shit. Let me ask That's you a question. The... Did you ever Tic Tac? Did I ever Tic Tac? Did you ever Tic Tac? What's that? What's Tic Tac? Nobody knows what Tic Tac is. It must be like a regional thing for me. It's, I mean, maybe uh, I did it, but I don't, I don't know. I've never heard it called Tic Tac. It's when we used to get, so we lived, I had cornfields not too far. You would go get like uh, the, the ears of corn with dried kernels on them. Or just get a okay. bunch of like just dried corn and you just go around and just like throw pieces of it at people's windows until they would, <laughs> until they would come out and like open the door or open the window up and just be like, what the hell's going on? And you just run and hide and you just keep coming back and doing that and just screwing with people all night. So that was tic tacking because it makes like a little ticky tack sound on the Okay. Glass. All right. That's what we I've used never, to do. We didn't, I I've, never did the TPing, definitely not the egging or anything like that because we had our place, my dad's place was tp'd and egged a couple times and that was not fun because i had to clean it up for some reason yeah Uh, we definitely did a lot of tp'ing a lot of egging and a lot of shaving cream no yeah never did that just a tic tac just a shitload of dried corn everywhere wow it was a weird time (laughs) growing up in the 50s (laughs) we had that government corn coming in much more a wholesome period of time (laughs) for young dave trombor and we scooped that all up and cooked it for breakfast it was all good um 
So yeah, but I mean, that makes sense that they're out for like mischief night, but these idiots are dressed in Halloween costumes and they're trying to trick or treat. Right. Like they're trying to get candy. 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 Ugh. That's I one of those idiot pits that they fall right into. <laughs> they just say, Norbert can be like on his high horse. And then as soon as Daggett says candy, both of them will just like devolve into like weirdos. Just start saying did candy you, over and over again. Did you just say candy? Candy. That's how it happens in the show. It's not good. So they're out <laughs> trick-or-treating. So Norbert's dressed like Oxnard Montalvo, which is pretty funny. He's got like this crazy pointed nose as like his beaver face. But then on the right. front, like the very tip of his nose, he's got what almost looks like a Ronald Reagan mask. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, his, that's like his costume, right? And then, okay, what do you think Daggett was dressed as? Just look like a toe. Like a toe with like a piece of chewing gum behind him. <laughs> so he looks like a big toe with just like this weird gray sack behind him. So at first I wrote down like, is he a toe? What is it? What are, why is he a toe? And then Norbert calls him a spleen. And then later on you find that he's actually what's known as the crawling spleen. So yes, he's a giant right. toe with a spleen attached to it. That's actually a reference from another one of the B-movies that was referenced in an earlier episode of Angry Beavers. So there is oh, a B-movie okay, so that they, some... they go and see called The Crawling Spleen. So there's right, some so continuity in this. Yeah, exactly. So silly stuff okay. like that that just didn't really make any sense. You kind of had to go back and, and have watched the earlier episode. So it looks weird. It is weird. It's from an earlier part of the episode. So, yeah. So they're out trick-or-treating, which eventually leads them to... Because they're not finding any candy. Because nobody has candy. It's the night before Halloween, not Halloween night. So they're not getting candy from anybody. Until they ate... What, what do they say? Like, Daggett says, just, you know, one more house. We'll do one more. And if we don't get any candy, then we'll just call it a night and we'll go home. Well, before this, we should mention that, you know, uh, Daggett actually makes the comment. He goes, this is so stupid. And I'm just like... Uh, this might sum up my experience with this show. Yeah, that's a good quote <laughs> and, there, Daggett. So he, uh, yeah, they, they say that they want to go to this, this final house, this, this, uh, this final house that's on the corner. It's the and last so house over. on the left, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so they, right? And so, oof. Uh, so, they, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they go down, and uh, unbeknownst to them, mm-hmm. uh, it is the home of, B actor, movie star, Oxnard Montalvo. Oxnard Montalvo. Now, I want to ask a quick question. Shoot. What kind of bank do you think a B movie actor is bringing in that would afford him a palatial mansion overlooking the side of a cliff? He must have had some good, you know, like auto deals or a few car dealerships in the area or something. Because he had a... Franchise that shit up. He franchised it, man. And he had a... so once you get into his place too, which we'll get to in a second, but he has like all these statues and stuff from his, his movie career. And I thought that was actually kind of a cool touch. Um, I love that as well. That was yeah, actually super fun. He's very successful. Maybe he made his, you know, cut his teeth in the B movies and then maybe he was like a Christopher mm-hmm. Lee, you know, Could like he, be. he did a lot of do the we... B movies, horror movies, and then actually became like prestigious and well-known. Yeah. Do we want to jump into the house? Uh, yeah. Nothing really happens outside. They just kind of like fawn over the place for a few minutes and then they make their way right. inside about it. And they're creeping so around. They, they don't like, as far as I know, right. they don't knock. They don't ring a bell. No, they just that's, bust into that's the house. what was so weird. Yeah. Like this whole idea of getting candy the night before quickly escalates into a breaking and entering. Yeah, like B&E. this turns into a B&E immediately. Immediately B&E. 
without any question whatsoever. Into like their famous, their most like beloved actor's house. And they want to get his autograph and candy. Like they're still very, yeah. they're very all about getting the candy. So as Dave mentioned, they have this really cool shot where they show the interior of Oxnard's house. And on the inside, he's got all of these, um, I'm assuming props. Yeah, they're like and, life-size and statues and replicas, yeah. Right, of, of these, these horror movie creatures that I'm sure Oxnard has, has battled in the movies that he's presumably been in. Sure. And so these things are huge, and they're, they're fun, and they resemble stuff like a like swamp thing. But yeah. I think in this case, they call them the, the slime beast slime. from the evil of Dark Pool. <laughs> nice. They had great so, names, great titles. Yeah. So they have all these like crazy names, and they're, they're fun as shit to see these things. Uh, and some of them are just hideously creepy yeah and fucking bizarre well especially because they're all so they're walking through this house like when it's it's like pitch black like you can only kind of see the shapes of these things and some of the outlines and stuff and there's like a little kind of like blue filtered light and yeah they're creepy like they're not meant to be kid friendly they're monsters they're straight up monsters like even to the point where they look at the ceiling and there's like a a flying beast dragon kind of thing that looks he looks kind of like zock from uh, herculoids but right it's this like monstrous dragon Mm -hmm. thing and then there was one, did you catch the one about the, the claws of the golem? They had right. like this throwaway line, at least to me it was throwaway, where they were like, they say something about like, that's the one that they never saw, right? Correct. He's like, this is the one movie we've never seen. And he's like, he says something like, they must have had a hard time getting that made or something. They have some weird quip in there that made no sense to me. I don't know if it was like an in-joke or a reference. I don't know. I didn't pick yeah, that one up. Yeah, it was, it was sort of, they didn't, rec- they recognized the movie but they had never seen it and their comment could have been akin to and eh, moving along oh yeah that's pretty and much that all just, it was that was just it it was just like you're, filling you're dead air of... i don't know what the heck was happening there <sighs> but it was cool so they... to see that but then they instantly like so what happens to these things normally in like a scooby-doo movie or whatever you'll like follow right. the characters through and then the camera will <laughs> kind of linger back and then you'll see one of the monster things like move or like blink its eyes or something like that they don't even right. or the the face in the painting kind yes. of like shuffles ever <laughs> shuffles so slightly and looks at him. Yeah. Same kind of thing, except they didn't even bother separating the, the characters. Just like all these monsters <laughs> eyes just like immediately turn green and everything and, starts and, coming to life. And it's confusing because at first you think that these monsters are coming to life simply based on proximity. Right. That Norbert and Daggett are walking through and as they're passing each one of these monsters, seconds after they pass it it immediately gets glowing eyes you know they to the the giant dragon they say oh it looks like it could come to life and fly right out of here and 30 seconds later it does it's exactly what it does yeah not even 30 seconds later no, i'm sorry like three like, seconds <laughs> like yeah like <laughs> three seconds later it like breaks up through the glass and you're like how the fuck are they not hearing all this shit yeah but uh, still in their costumes at this point too still in their costumes yeah. carrying their little candy bags so all these things are coming to life. They're all getting animated and they're kind of just like stomping around. And it's weird because they're not really chasing them yet, but they kind of are. But then some of them are just like flying off into the distance and doing their own thing. It was just odd. Right. There was no real, I didn't catch like a real good connection there. Not no, until well, I mean, this... Man Servant comes out anyway. Correct. And so uh, we, get, we get a telepathic mes- message from the, the glowing green alien that's outside yes. uh, that says, Never have I felt such feelings of reality. And, and he evidently needs to have these two beavers. He feeds because, on them. And this is the point where you sort of realize, uh, and they, 
they kind of pull this out of Oxnard later. Yes. Uh, in a very con- in a slightly comical bit that I I did enjoy, uh, where they, uh, where the the imagination of Norbert and Daggett is what is fueling the the creation of these monsters. And so as we mentioned, all of these creatures to this point that they've walked past and they've mentioned and they've called out and they said we remember them, they've all immediately come to life. But then this golem, they have no recollection of it, right. so they have no base. And so it doesn't come to life. Exactly. It actually just remains a statue. Exactly. And, and this so, is all thanks to kind of like the alien thing that's outside. His, his power allows for weird things to happen in reality, but it's actually Norbert and Daggett's imagination that, like Sean said, brings these guys to life, except for the one they've never seen. So, right. so everything's come to life. And then the beavers are kind of like, they're like, there's nobody here. Where are we going to get our damn candy? And then Man Servant shows up and just kind of like, <laughs> For whatever reason, so, so the alien uh, tells Manservant that he wants, like, like Sean said, he wants these beavers. So Manservant tries to like hit him with his eye beams, but the beavers are busy trying to like change out of their goofy Halloween costumes because they keep getting in the way. And they're like looking for right. their candy bags and they lost their candy bags. So they're just doing this little slapstick routine that goes on for way too long where they just kind of spin around in circles and they keep avoiding the eye beams from Manservant until the point where they basically like I think they hit him in the crotch, don't they? No, they hit him right in the nuts. Right in the nuts. And they then knock him down Man the stairs. They knock him down the stairs. And this <laughs> is the first time where I was like, that human is now officially dead. He's dead. They killed. Yep. This was a candy, mm-hmm. breaking and entering, mm-hmm. homicide. Murder. Yep. This actually appeared so. on an episode of uh, Law & Order Special Viewing Unit. <laughs> so you can check that out. The candy homicides. Uh, so you think like manservants down for the count. And the beavers kind of think that way too, because then they just like walk past them, no big deal. But then they figure out that they've lost all their candy and they go looking for it. And then they overhear what something's happening in the other room and it gets their attention. So Oxnard, Toluca Lake and professor are sitting there and they're, they're looking over uh, like a monitor, presumably like a computer monitor trying to figure something out. And where Oxnard says, Oh, this little gem, he says with a little luck, and things going in our favor, I just, <laughs> that moment, I, I just kind of like folded my head. <laughs> but I, I honestly love pretty much everything that comes out of the mouths of these three characters because it is just straight up, um, you know, a satire of the bad dialogue from these B-movies right? <clears throat> or just of the, the plots themselves. So we'll get into these, these little bits as they go on. But I, I actually, that was one of the like, very funny things that I thought was in this episode. And it made yeah. all the, like, the beaver hijinks aside, it made the episode palatable for me. Oh, Otherwise, I would have just been irritated the whole time. There was a good amount more of uh, weird beaver yeah. uh, assertions that come on to the point where uh, everybody that's in the room, uh, Professor Toluca Lake and Oxnard, don't really understand that these are beavers. No, and, and so I don't they're... blame them because they just look like strange... But they continue creatures. to they continue to call them pointy creatures. Yes, because that's what they are. And so and so Norbert assert, like Norbert says he like we are all beef beavers, yeah. and I was like, oh boy, he's supposed to be Here the smart go. one. Yeah, and it's just I I don't know if these little bits were put in there as like a way that like if you were older and you you got sort of maybe the innuendo that it was there, but it's just they were things that just kind of just fell out of place. Yeah, they were I, just I, odd. I'm also, 
I'm also really just concerned that people don't understand and know what a beaver looks like. I, I, that is kind of concerning to me. That th This guy is a professor, and these people seem like they're relatively well-traveled and may have spent some time with wildlife, and yet nobody seems to be able to figure out what the fuck a beaver looks like. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of funny, though, too, because it was the different animation styles. <clears throat> so it was kind of like the, the realistic animation versus the very cartoonish animation. So for me, well, I was okay was with like that because it was just like, like the a beavers... divide. Hmm? Well, then how come the beavers didn't look at the humans and they were just like, oh, you guys are weird looking humans. Because it's Oxnard Montalvo. Uh, I mean, I guess. They know I these just... guys from Silver Screen. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to defend them too much. But then at this point, so meanwhile, while the beavers are hanging out with the humans, humans are trying to figure out what the hell these pointy things are. Uh, Man Servant is animating the golem back in the right. other room. The golem now goes on a rampage and basically just like crashes through the wall. This was one of my few laugh out loud moments. <laughs> because okay. at this point they like cut to a scene like they just hear this like stomping and the whole house is shaking and they're just like what's going on and then the golem just like crashes through a wall but it doesn't really go anywhere because he's stuck kind of like with the door and the piece yeah. of the wall like under his like between his arms and then the beavers are right in front of him but Nor or, uh, Daggett is freaking out losing his mind just like screaming and caterwauling and like stretching all over the place and then uh, Oxnard Montalvo looks, uh, points at him, and he's like, look out, that little fellow's gone berserk, which yeah, that right. was a laugh out loud moment for me. And then it cuts <laughs> to a scene where the golem is actually stepping on Daggett's tail. That's why he's right. freaking out so much. That was kind of fun. So, and so then Daggett goes berserk yeah. and ends up gnawing <laughs> at the stone that this golem is made out of and destroys him. And yeah. so everybody's praising him. Right. So everybody's praising him for his bravery. Uh, in this moment and having defeated this this come to life statue right now at this point this is where you get one of a few screams great b-movie screams from toluca lake because anytime she's get, kind of in danger yeah, you, she just screams and it's fantastic <laughs> and you also get the moments where they show oxnard doing the thinking face oh yeah which is the the like the hand mm. on the chin with the finger kind of like up near his nose and he's kind of like hmm mm. You know, very like Steve Jobs, like thinking esque, except his was down more towards the yeah, like, he had the, the chin, he had the knuckle on the chin. Yeah. Uh, but just kind of like that, that thinking face the entire time. Like he gets, he get, there are a large number of those moments in this episode, <laughs> but they're great. It's ridiculous. They're great. They actually set up fairly well. The editing is well done. The writing is well done. The moments that Oxnard has to be a hero, and then he kind of gets his ass handed to him the very next moment, or just screws something up because he's not really in a movie at this point. So right. it's not like scripted for him to actually succeed. So they're kind of funny. But in the meantime, while all this is going on, the alien is outside feeding on reality, but he's getting kind of impatient. And he's right. been feeding on the imagination so much that he can now take the form of like this massive cybernetic spider. So he starts to kind of like get up out of his, his hovel and he starts to kind of move around outside. And as he does, this kind of wave of black and white just washes over the entire landscape so everything all color is blotted out except for the beavers themselves and then the creatures green glowing eyes so any creature right. that is animated has these green glowing eyes and the beavers are still in color but everybody else is black and white so that is now we are now fully in black and white b movie action mode right that's your scene except for of course norbert and daggett yes. who are still in still cartoons full color. yeah exactly but this is yeah. where it leads into like this just crazy run of just slapstick gags and kind of nonsense. A, we have, yeah, we have a lot of 
weird comedy bits and yeah. he, everything from the uh from the professor saying i've got a short film that i've put together that i'd like to show you oh he tries to show that film strip about 10 <laughs> times and something always <laughs> happens uh to the point where we get the bit where somebody will say something and then somebody will repeat it again immediately yeah we have the uh we have the alien outside who says i'm becoming larger and stronger and we have the woman on the inside with the worst boston accent i've ever heard <laughs> just goes he's becoming larger and stronger i was like what the fuck is it she sounded like marissa tomei from uh my cousin <laughs> <Minnie>. <laughs> these two youths it's just it's <laughs> ridiculous but there's just these like like sean was saying there's these other funny moments like oxnard tells toluca to run for it and she runs and you hear this like foley yeah. sound in the background and it turns and she has run like smash face first into a wall and she's kind of got the cartoonish like arms and legs spread out and, like cracks in the wall like there's that there's the doctor who's like the professor's like testing something with an electrical probe and it's not working so he puts it in his mouth for whatever reason it like electrocutes him to the point that he looks like he's pretty well dead and and, and that that was because i wrote that down as a note because the the sound effects that accompany yeah. him electrocuting himself and then falling onto the ground yeah. falling below where his lab station is <laughs> is the sound that I would associated or that I would associate in most cartoons with like crumpled bones falling to the ground <laughs> yes. and like hitting the floor. That's what he sounded like. So if you remember back to the Ewoks, Star Wars Ewoks episode, it is either the sound of crumpling bones or ah! Ewok farts. Ewok <laughs> One farts. of those two things. Definitely so that Ewok happens. Farts. The funny thing is after all this stuff happens, like Oxnard, you know, goes to like fight a monster and he just gets completely pummeled. His face comes back and it's all bruised and bloodied. They're always fine. Like Toluca breaks her ankle or twists her ankle four separate that times. Was, that was a funny bit. Yeah. And I enjoyed that because as Toluca Lake is running out of the house with uh, Norbert and Daggett, right. uh, she trips and is just like, oh, my ankle. And so they run back and yeah. they pick her up. And this entire time you see the crawling, like the crawling spleen, yeah. like just towing its way <laughs> slowly like an inchworm across yeah. the fucking floor in a non-menacing fashion no just very but slowly slime trail but they're but they're freaked out yeah. they're freaked out so she then gets back up starts running takes like two more steps and falls and is just like my other ankle and you could see them visibly getting annoyed very frustrated. and vocally getting annoyed and frustrated to the point where she gets up and i just go if she doesn't fall and fuck up both of her ankles i was like i'm turning this episode on i'm glad and you called it because i thought like, they were done two, Two seconds later. Well, I mean, rule of three in comedy. Yeah, I was just I, waiting I was for hoping, like, some resolution later. Yeah. Yeah, I was just hoping that they were going to hit that because it was a fun, silly beat that it is, you know, is synonymous with, with B-horror movie oh, culture. Yeah. And so I wanted that to happen so bad. And, so, <laughs> and they even bring it back at the end. Yes, they I do, which was great. One of my favorite parts. So they, they have this whole Toluca Lake ankle bit, which is fun. And then um, she gets the crap beat out of her, too, because, like, Oxnard goes to throw a bookcase at a monster, and instead he hits Toluca and just smashes her into the yeah. stairs. He tries to catch her from uh, a lobby above, and he misses, and she just smashes into the ground. But she's Again, fine. you're just like, she's dead. Like you, that She should have been dead a hundred times, but she's fine. She's fine. Yeah. And then we get to, so that's kind of like the slapstick run, and then we get to some, some more weird stuff. So, like, the professor has been working on this machine you'd never hear about until this point called the mindulator yeah. and he needs great oxnard. name for machine though yeah mindulator. all in all i'll mind you later so mind he you later he tells oxnard he's like you know hit that alien monster with the mindulator and now, oxnard does 
Go ahead. No, no. I think that this is, I just want to be very clear about <laughs> what you said, because uh, the, the word choice in this is, is beautiful. It if, makes did you it write it down? Wow. Oh, no. Just with the fact that he says, hit him yes. with the mindulator. Yes. And he throws him this, what looks like a ray gun. Yeah, it's 100% a ray gun. It's got like a radar dish. It's got a pointy thing. It's got a trigger. It's got a switch. It's 100% right. a gun. And then and he so says, you know, Oxnard, is, hit him with the mindulator. So Oxnard flips the switch and then just chucks it at the monster and just <laughs> hits him with it. Like physically just hits him with it. And then the professor's like, great, he knows how to use it. So, I mean, that was kind of funny. <laughs> that's how it meant to be used. Uh, and then, so he's like, that's how it's meant to be used. And then Doc's like, I'll explain how that would have worked in my film strip. And then the alien just bursts through again, like tentacles just waving everywhere, just completely destroying this house. So now the house is in the process of falling apart, falling down, and the beavers are outside, and the humans are stuck inside trying to get, trying to escape. So if you're paying attention, yes. this creature morphed from a spider now into a tentacle creature. Yeah, massive. And some type of a massive squid creature uh, with, you know, no, no rationale whatsoever. But that's fine. Like, that's, that's fine. We get, as you mentioned, we get another reference, so we get a second beat for the, I'd like to show you this film strip thing that we, is is interrupted uh, right away. And then this is sort of where, at this point, this is kind of where we have uh, a manservant is reintroduced uh, at this point to the the group, to Oxnard, to to Luca the Professor and the Beavers. And this is sort of where the episode went off the rails a little bit for for me. Uh, One is that it seemed like the episode sort of gave up on itself mm-hmm. at this point because, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know if this was just the, I mean, this obviously was a very specific choice that the writers uh, exercised, but suddenly because of these names and because of how the, the pronunciation for everything is, Oxnard suddenly can't say the name of his manservant, manservant, that has been serving under him for X number of years, right. presumably. Uh, he can't do this. Uh, Dag sort of breaks at this point and just says, quote, this is the stupidest thing that I've ever seen. Well, to which in my note, I just went, yep. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and then, <laughs> like, and then as these things are occurring, uh, suddenly we, we get a flash over to a general. Oh my God. So this... I liked and hated at the same time because it was such like a non sequitur, but because this was Peter I, Graves, you know, that's and I, I enjoyed, yeah. I, enjoy, I, I'll agree with you. I enjoyed this for the fact that if Peter Graves and I enjoy the fact because it is a non sequitur mm-hmm. because it is one of those things that in like all B horror films, somebody's like, we need to mobilize the mm-hmm. army yeah, exactly, and we need to get them here now. <laughs> and I, I love, I love that thing the the part that pissed me off. Yeah. And that made no fucking sense to me is that suddenly this goes into a series of live action bits. Yeah, this of montage. old stock footage. Yeah. From presumably the 40s and 50s. Yeah. And then, well, so it starts off with like, you know, um, pilots getting ready to jump in their planes and their bombers and then the bombers taking off and then guys in tanks rolling over the, over the hills and then cavalry and then sumo wrestlers and then baby sea turtles crawling into the ocean. So it was and just I, kind of I, this just crazy manic mashup of weird footage. And I get the idea that like they're they're trying to say we're throwing everything, including the kitchen sink and the sea at turtles. This monster yeah. in the sea turtles. I just did I, I'm sorry, I just didn't find it funny. 
Uh, it was I, just I, weird. Like watching it, I was just like, it was more like clinical for me. I was just noting like, okay, there's sumo wrestlers and sea turtles. Okay, good. We got it. Like that was right. it. I didn't laugh. I was just like, oh, okay. I got all these notes taken down. I think so, it was just get, supposed to show like, so we're in the beaver's imagination, right? Sure. So they're like calling back all these different movies and stuff that they've seen before. And they, it's just like this homage to all these uh, military movies where they show up in the, and then there's just like random documentary and nature footage that shows up and like, I don't know. It's just odd. The whole thing starts I mean, to unravel at this point, basically. Yeah, there's the there's the moment at the very end where uh, the general says, you know, general warning is like, hit him with everything you got. And it's got women who are kind of in a, like they're laying on their backs, their legs up in the air. Yeah, like a weird slingshot And they've slingshot got what looks thing? like a slingshot. I don't know what that like was Like between their, their feet and their, their hands and they're, they're pulling it. Like it's anchored to their foot, but they're pulling it taut with their hands, and then like one by one, and sort of like this, like it's synchronized like swimming, of, yeah, yeah, like cascade. <laughs> they just all let go, no and clue. you're just like, what the? F-? And then there's random people, it's tribal who look people like dancing, it, like tribal indigenous people who are cheering, and and like it is, it's just off the rails, yeah. because you've you've got so they've got like live action footage of dogfights, you know, uh, aerial combat. With this like dragon thing, <laughs> actual flying, dog fight. actual dogs, not actual dog fights, because ah. I want I didn't want to confuse people and just be oh, like, oh, God. and then they showed just actual dogs <laughs> in a pit fighting to the death. That the show didn't quite go that far. So aerial dog fighting, <laughs> and then the the dragon thing shows up like in the sky too. So now they've got this weird crossover of like the animated dragon flying across the live action footage and getting shot right. at. Right now, at this whole time, the humans are inside. Every time Oxnard tries to like move some stuff out of the way so that they can clear a path, somebody behind him gets like clonked in the head with debris falling from the ceiling. Meanwhile, right. the beavers are outside fighting like literally every monster that's come to life. They're just like running around, diving behind stuff, clonking things on the head, and just like it's just chaos. Absolute hitting chaos. them with the mindulator. With the mindulator, just smashing into everything. Just hitting them with the mindulator. Until at one point they decide they should probably, you know, use it to defeat this giant thing that's the source of all their problems right right this is so when they, probably what the most cartoonish thing happens as far as the beavers are concerned and i you know and and now having said about the slingshot portion yes. of the live action this suddenly makes a little bit more sense slightly. in retrospect yeah slightly more i don't know so, how elastic beavers are though yeah they're not at all mm. you just you'll just tear them apart oh god you'll, just, you'll rip them apart mortal combat style Ugh. all beef beef finish it Ooh. and so they they get to this point where the, the brothers seemingly have this unspoken language where they look at each other and they kind of like, yeah, that's the thing that we're going to do. Yep. And I respect that. The I like that. beaver slingshot. Uh, and so, they, so Dag holds on to the ten, one of the tentacles mm-hmm. and uh, Norbert stretches him out and puts the mindulator on his tail. They shoot it. It ricochets up into... It looks like kind of like a control panel. Yeah, it looked like underneath. I just put down like a USB port because that's basically what it yeah, looked like. Right? Yeah, yeah. Smashes the USB port on the front of this alien, and that is what ends his reign. Yeah, and, and in then, that moment, yeah. Did you see what happens? No, what the little uh, the two like double A batteries fall out of them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The two double A because I wrote that down because the double A batteries pop out. That's right, and that's when all the color returns. That's right. So you just see like a reverse wave, like all the color floods back into the world and everybody's fine. Uh, and yeah. yeah. Well, everybody's fine except for General, what was his name? General Warning? General back Warning. Back at the base where they, 
So the dragon has now crashed out of the sky, right? And he lands right next to where the general is back on the base. So the general's like the only one back on the base, but this dragon thing is next to it. So then he tells his... This is when he tells his uh, gathered masses to hit it with everything he's got. So that's when they just blast the shit out of the base. I don't know if we ever hear from him again or not. Um, uh, I don't think you do. I don't think you do. I think he's pretty well dead. Uh, this, the only thing that I wrote down from this is the doctor. Like every, Everybody's fine now, except that guy. And uh, I think Manservant's probably fine. And the doctor looks well, at... Yeah, go ahead. What do you got for Manservant? Well, yeah. let's, let's circle back to Manservant at the okay. very end. Okay. Okay. So I've got uh, the doctor is now checking. The professor's checking on Toluca, and he says, "How do your ankles feel now?" And you cut to her, and she's got these massive bandages wrapped around her ankles, and she's like, "Well, they're broken, but they're better." So I loved, I loved that I'm, bit. I'm glad they came back and actually like, followed <laughs> up on it because it's ridiculous. I really loved that bit. That was so, so fucking dumb, but so funny. It was pretty stupid. And then another yeah. thing they come back to is the idea of the film strips. So like. Daggett says, like, I've got a film that'll explain everything, right? So this is what I didn't understand. And so they, they go through and they explain. So Daggett says, I have this film strip that I want everybody to watch. Right. So great. That's the third time that they've called back that right. bit. You know, it's still funny. They closed it out. I'm proud of them for hitting that. Good job, guys. Uh, hitting that beat and then bouncing out. Um, but the thing that is weird is that they... they they show the film strip, but then in like a blink of an eye, it it sort of resolves itself. Like they watch the film strip, right. you do not. Yeah, you as the audience are not privy to what occurs during this. And so evidently that is supposedly what explains what happened to Man Servant? Uh, I think it just explains everything. <clears throat> everything that's left unexplained, yeah. Well, because I, for some reason it seems like Manservant was not an actual person that he was like a figment of an imagination I don't know, man. that it happened because he's not with them at the end and presumably he's been a servant to Oxnard Montalvo for for decades I'm going to assume a, that all of them are not real well then Oxnard <laughs> makes the comment he goes he did all this without using their tongues yeah and I what I went what <laughs> that's what it cuts to the outro isn't it like the oh, credits it's when they cut to, it's well it's when they cut to the part where they're doing the candy bit again yeah. as Norbert and Daggett I'm we're not going to just no. gloss right over that. Exactly. So then we get to this point where as you mentioned it's the narrator yeah. and he is just going off. <laughs> He's like they're not he paying is, me enough for this shit. He is done. Like, this story He's makes no sense. I was. And then he he <laughs> starts he starts calling things out. He's like, "Look, yeah. it makes no sense. If the alien was powerful enough to just bring these monsters to life, then why did he need Norbert and Daggett to begin with? It just doesn't make any sense. And I read the script. I mean, I like, I skimmed it. I got I the mean, script. I, sk- I skimmed I, it on the bus. Kind of, yeah, I looked at it on the bus. I don't know, whatever, I'm not getting paid enough for this. And then he's, <laughs> he's very upset the entire time. And that kind of made it not okay for me, but I was glad that they kind of, it was an interesting way to end the show. Because the whole thing was just like complete nonsense. So yeah, they ended it, it with good. somebody saying, like, look, I know how stupid and insane this was. So just wanted to let you know. Thanks for watching. Yeah. I think, and I want to say this, the challenge of admitting absurdity is that the absurdity factor that you have presented dissipates. Yeah. Like, acknowledging, how, acknowledging how absurd something doesn't make it more absurd. 
it sort of takes away right. some of the the power and the the I guess maybe how upended or or you know it, it continual continually cast doubt about how reliable the narrator was in this you know potential instance and so like you sit there thinking to yourself like okay great they they've clearly broken the fourth wall like a dozen times right. in the show and and now they're admitting how crazy and how nonsensical this is. I'm not buying into this just because, like, I'm not buying into this more. Right. This because movie the narrator said it was over. Additionally, weird because you know how fucking crazy it is. Right. See, that's what I loved about Freakazoid back in the day was that they would do crazy shit. They would have a non sequitur that would cut to something completely different, and then they would never explain any of it. And that I like. And that's absurd. That's yeah. absurd comedy. Yeah, by definition, like, yeah. That, like, that's how you do it. You know, absurdity for the sake, you know, of calling it out for being absurd is not absurd right so anything else from this particular episode i think that's probably a good spot to end that i don't know I'm frustrated. you're frustrated well at least we're at the end of the show so it's a good time to be frustrated you take a break there buddy i'm gonna go through a um a user review we're gonna have two of them today because they're pretty good uh we're gonna have a user <laughs> review a lot of people again we pull these from imdb a lot of people really like this show um granted there are only about 30 35 reviews but all of them are really positive just like this one from Dudas from PA back in 2002. <laughs> Wouldn't you say Dudas? Or is it Dutus? <laughs> it's Dudas. Dutus? Dudas. I like Dudas. Dudas says, if you don't like this show, then you are a spoothead. I'm assuming that's an insult from Angry Beavers. Sure. I think so. This is the most hyster- hysterical Nicktoon up to date. Let's try that again. This is the most hysterical Nicktoon up to date. What? Question mark? Question mark? The episodes are hilarious, especially the muscular beaver ones. Mm. And the characters are laugh out loud funny. I like Daggett because he's real stupid and says a lot of funny stuff, like Spoothead. Okay, there it is. So now we know where Spoothead comes from. Norbert's funny because of his personality and how he says words in a different kind of way. It just gets me going. It's also funny because they watch B-movies like The Crawling Spleen, which was pretty funny. I recommend this show to anyone who wants a quick laugh. After all, the Angry Beavers rule. So thanks, Dudas. We have another one here that's, uh, he, I think he one-ups Dudas. I, I almost feel like I should read this in the tone of the doofus that I think is probably writing this. Okay, fair enough. Uh, this, is from, uh, this is from Shortcake518. And uh, why did the show stop making more shows? This was the best show ever, and when they stopped making new ones, ellipsis, why? So many questions. It was the best one ever. (laughs) Unfair, the show was tight, and it rocked. This one's one's almost better visually because it's just, it's so, it's such an assault on the senses. The way this thing is written. I didn't realize, I didn't realize tight had three G's and four T's. And when he questions why, there's six, there's six question marks. And, and a backslash. <laughs> he missed that last one. <laughs> you got you to gotta hold down that shift key, brother. All the way through. Oh, Shortcake, you're the best. You and Dudas get together. You and, you and Dudas. I love that Shortcake thinks that the way shows are made are by other shows making new shows. It's my favorite part of that review. This is how shows are made since the beginning of time. 
Why did this show stop making more shows? Hey Arnold begat angry beavers and angry beavers begat cat dog. Uh, Town Nicktoons are made. Get, let's just get biblical on that. That's right. Town Nicktoons are made, boys and girls. Oh, all right, buddy. So those are a couple of reviews from out there in listener land. Whoa, what do you give angry beavers? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Let's keep it simple. All right, I'm going to go. Uh, You're going to say it. So not even a recommendation for people out there to check it out. No, I mean, I, I would. You told me to keep it simple. True. Uh, so I'd say thumbs down for me. But I mean, I, I think it's worthwhile checking out uh, this episode. I think that there are a lot of things that are, are a, that can be redeeming in this episode. I'd be curious to go back and watch one of the more traditional yeah. episodes yeah. and see if I find some of that. So I'm making, again, I'm making this, this judgment call based off of this one episode. Um, I will say that the first time that I watched it, uh, I, it, it did kind of uh, put me to sleep at some point. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't know. Uh, so I'm going to go thumbs down, but I, I'm, but I would say watch this episode because of the tropes that it plays around with and sort of the comedic sensibility that they introduce. And in some cases, do a good job following through. Sure. There are just a lot of throwaway jokes that are in here that seem like they're killing time and are just dead air. Yeah. So for that alone, I, I don't think that I can really recommend. I can recommend checking out this episode, but I don't know that I can recommend this series based on this one episode. That being said, the caveat is, I should check out a more traditional episode. Yeah, and I mean, that's it's tough for us to know coming into these because honestly, like I said, we're getting into the transition episodes now and the transition series. So I didn't even remember like a specific one that was a standout. This just happened to be one of the two mm-hmm. highest rated episodes of all of Angry Beavers. So we decided to go right. with this one. So if this is the best you got, um, I don't know. For, for people out there who want to be Nicktoons completionists and just say that they've seen everything at least once, and I say, sure, check it out. but. If you're just looking for like a casual watch, you can probably look elsewhere. So I'm going to agree with Sean on this one. Uh, so that's it for Angry Beavers, thankfully. Uh, Sean, buddy, what do you have going on the next couple of weeks you want to share with listeners out there? We got a bunch of stuff going on. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be performing a bunch of shows that are going to be in the D.C. area in Adams Morgan at the D.C. Art Center. Uh, the times vary. The location does not. Uh, and you can find more information out at witdc.org, and we will post all that information and those shows up on the website. Uh, hey, if you're listening and you're in San Diego and you're not doing anything over Valentine's Day weekend, come on and check me out. Uh, I'll be performing as a part of the San Diego Improv Festival. It's going to be the late show on Saturday night, uh, so it should be a ton of fun. Uh, you know, at this point, I keep saying I won't be your date. Maybe I'll be your date. If you come out, you know, definitely be your date. Definitely give you a high five. Ooh, lucky uh, listeners. Buy a a drink at the bar. So tons of fun. Um, So yeah, come and see me in San Diego. And then uh, you can always find me on the Twitters and the Instagrams, the Turs and IGs. Oh no, you're doing so good. At Sean Paul Ellis. You're doing so good. (laughs) Dave... What are you up to, buddy? Oh, I'm up to the same old shit. So um, you can find me over <laughs> at Collider.com, where I review such shows as The Flash, Arrow, and Walking Dead, which should all be coming back fairly soon. By the time you're hearing this, you'll probably be getting ready for uh, the second round of these shows. So you can check me out at Collider.com and read our recaps there, as long, uh, along with uh, movie and TV news as well. You can find me on Twitter at DrClawMD. You can also, if you're interested, check out some of my short fiction over at DaveTrumbor.com. That's a new website that I've uh, just started populating with some, um, just some short fiction. So if you're interested in that, come on over and check it out and drop me a line. 
If you're interested in finding out more about Saturday Morning Cartoons, you can do so by looking at our website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Remember, that's morning with a U. Check us out on Twitter, at MorningTunes. You can uh, follow us on Facebook. Check us out on YouTube. You can also listen to us each and every week uh, through iTunes and Stitcher. And don't forget about Sean's handiwork over there on our Tumblr page, SaturdayMorningCartoons.tumblr.com. And also feel free to drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing and suggest a show for a future episode. SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. That's about it for this one. We have one more New Year's Nicktoon in January. Holy crap, it's going to be February soon already. That's a little crazy. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. So uh, are you looking forward to our next and last New Year's Nicktoon? I don't know. Again, I, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show. This was a show that I uh, I, I did not love. No. And I, I've definitely watched a couple episodes of it. So I'm going into this with a, with a heavy burden. Oh, boy. I'm going into this. A heavy burden on this show? With the, I'm going into this with the, the hope. I should say heavy, heavy hope. That, a heavy hope. That's the new, uh, that's that Star Wars Episode Eight. A heavy, heavy hope. hope. Right. Heavy, heavy hope floats. <laughs> Um, I'm really hoping that this show can change my mind uh, about its opinion because it's two things that I really like. True. And not put in this together. case, yeah, except I like them when they're separate. Yes. And in this case, they are sewn together in the middle. Yeah, I was always fascinated as a kid slash teenager at this point by the biology of it. And then once Human Centipede came along, it answered all the Makes questions sense. that I had ever needed to know. Thanks a lot, Tom Six. About Cat Dog. Obviously, Cat Dog. Cat Dog is a spiritual prequel to Human Centipede. So we will be talking about that on next week's Saturday Morning Cartoon. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.